1: What's up, everybody? It's the Junkyard Dogcast. I am Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7 and with me, Kip Adams. Rusty is out on assignment out in San Antonio, Texas, eating good Mexican food and uh, covering the All-American Bowl. Uh, We won't have him today. Hopefully, we'll be able to get uh, a pod later this week or a pod live show uh from indianapolis as all three of us will be going for the national championship game we'll have it covered for you also shout out chris collins our our uh, valued photographer photographer uh threw an extra r in there photographer uh he will also be there so dogs 24 7 is going to have you flat out covered out at the national Mm. championship game and uh real excited about it man and kip we were both up in that press box at the orange bowl uh I didn't know what to expect going into that game. Um, you know, I've written that several times since the game, but Georgia dominates. And uh, I guess real quick here, since kind of Rusty did the post-game pod um, or the post-game show, uh, quick thought, just one quick thought on, on the uh, national champion. Oh, no, I'm sorry, on the Orange Bowl.
0: Well, I think, I guess it, it was all right that they showed up after all. You know, I, I think we both kind of agreed that given the fact that georgia was in that unique situation of coming off a loss overall the kind of the fan base it it was uh not 100 positive going into the game and i think georgia was able to kind of shut that that noise out and and focus on playing their game and i mean it seemed like you know it, it was good for them that they showed up i think there was a reason after all they played georgia football and i think that you saw some guys that were healthier and I think it had an impact on the game, just having basically, you know, your whole team available. So uh, obviously a different outcome than, than the SC championship game. And I think the, the line of scrimmage, we always talk about that when we're trying to break down games, how important it is. I just think the difference of depth and talent at, at um, the line of scrimmage was very apparent very early in that game and that kind of set the tone for how that game was gonna go.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't think there's anything there I can can disagree with. Uh, I would say I mean obviously Michigan's not the same as Alabama. They're very different football teams. I still think Michigan's a really, really good football team and I think Michigan just ran into a bad really bad matchup with Georgia. And really all Georgia to me, all they had to do, all Georgia had to do was keep was do a good job against that that pass rush because I felt like the only shot Michigan really had was to blow up the game with those edge rushers and to keep it a low-scoring game because I just never saw Michigan putting up a lot of points uh, against Georgia. And uh, Georgia did a lot better than I th- even I thought they would. And, I, and I, th- I you know, I had the inkling that, yeah, listen, I mean, you go back to the first Alabama matchup in Will Anderson. Will Anderson had a good game. He had a sack and two tackles for a loss. One of those sacks came well after the game was out of reach. Uh, you know, I think Georgia was trying to you know get back in at 14 points down, Will Anderson comes up with something. Listen, I've I got a man crush on Will Anderson. I think he's tremendous. I think he's a phenomenal football player. But Georgia did a great job with that edge rusher. Okay, Michigan had two of them, but Georgia wasn't healthy with Jamari Sawyer yet either. Uh, so I didn't really expect Michigan to come out and wreck the game, but I felt like that was their shot. And uh, Georgia just dominated uh, on the edges. Aiden Hutchinson did some things. I mean, he, he got some pressure and and did some things. But you know, David Ajabo did nothing. And uh, and you know, then you know, Aiden Hutchinson you know basically you know was a shell of what he was against Ohio State and some other really good teams. And uh, that's what allowed Georgia to get where it got. And and then you put the, put everything else into to play. And and the one the number one thing that I take away from it. Was when you look at production, when you look at the play, Georgia had the best two edge rushers on the football field that day, uh, Nolan Smith and and Trayvon Walker. Uh, had tremendous games. They were very impactful. They had double-digit pressures. They had a couple of sacks, should have had more. Nolan Smith had a a forced fumble. Trayvon Walker had a tone-setting block take-on that went viral. I mean, you look at it, you know, a million different ways. Georgia had the best two defensive end, outside linebacker, edge players in that game. And, and, uh, Kip, I think that's a good segue to this game because when we start talking about Georgia-Alabama, That's the number one key for me. It's not, hey, who's going to cover Jamison Williams? Georgia can commit resources without John Mechie, as heartbreaking as that is that he's not going to play. And I really hate it for the kid uh, because him and Jamison Williams and Will Anderson and Brian Robinson and Bryce Young are five of my favorite players to watch. You don't get to really talk about it if you cover Georgia. I don't get to talk about how much I love to watch all these different guys because I'm not going to be a homer about it. I'm not going to be one of these guys that's like, oh, well, he's man crushing on this guy for Georgia. I love watching Brock Bowers play. But when I talk about other teams, there are certain guys that I have a lot of respect for, and I just named all of them off for Alabama because they're all studs and really good players. But with John Metchie not in the fold, I think Georgia can commit some resources and kind of keep Jamison Williams at bay but can they get pressure on Bryce Young? And it's going to come down to like Kirby Smart said yesterday, get winning those one-on-one matchups.
0: Definitely. I mean, that's the key. Uh, quarterback pressure on both sides is, is going to dictate this game. I mean, getting to Bryce Young is, I mean, it's a tall order. I, I think we saw that, you know, Alabama's offensive line, that was kind of that one question mark we had going into the SC championship game and, I mean, they, their offensive line stepped up, played at an elite level, and they're still playing at an elite level. I know that, you know, they had some guys banked up, but I expect those guys to be healthy. And so I, I think that is, is where the onus has to be for Dan Lanning and this defense is, you know, we're going to have to to do more than we did uh, in that SC Championship game. And I mean, go back to what worked for them, uh, you know, throughout the rest of the year and and, and what worked for other teams I and mean, there, there was film out there of how teams were able to, to get to Bryce Young and, and, and to pressure him. And I think that's just, that is gonna be paramount as Georgia going back and saying, what we tried to do did not work. We have to make actual changes. And then on the opposite side, you know, I think we know that Stetson Bennett performs well uh, when he's relatively clean in the pocket, when he's able to to see everything comfortably. They're going to have to be able to continue to. It's not just Will Anderson. I mean, it's, it's Fidarian Mathis. It's DJ Dale. It's it's also uh, Dallas Turner. I mean, he's, he's coming off back-to-back, uh, I think, games with the sack as well. So he's a guy, a, a young guy for them that also has uh, a lot of pass rush ability, a guy that Georgia heavily recruited was probably their their top edge target in, in that class as well. So I think, again, the offensive line play for both teams and, and again, how each team tries to scheme, whether simulated pressure or actual pressure in this game is going to dictate the outcome. Everything else. I mean, everything else matters. But I think that's going to be the main storyline that, that shows us who emerges as victorious in this national championship game.
1: Obviously, Georgia's favorite. I believe that 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 line now is at three points. It didn't matter a whole lot for them last time when they were favored double that amount. Uh, But I do think some things have changed for this game, Kip. And one of them is something we're bringing, you know, I brought up with the John thing is Georgia. I think net is healthier. I mean, Georgia definitely net is healthier. I mean, Kendall Milton's back. Uh, Chris Smith is much closer to 100%. And for those of you who still, uh, listen, I'm sorry, I got no patience for this. For those of you who still have not figured out the targeting rules, okay, Chris Smith is good for the whole game. All right, he, he went out in the first half. He he will be, the second half will will finish out his suspension or his ejection and he will be available 100% for the national championship game, provided he does not get himself ejected again. Okay. So Chris Smith, 100% healthy. We're not hundred percent healthy, but much healthier than he was in the SEC championship game. Games will be played 37 days apart. Uh, Jamari Sawyer. And listen, Rusty, I believe Rusty said this when you guys did a show last week. And, you know, I checked around on it, and and Rusty was right, 100%. Everybody I talked to – Jamari's not a, not not just healthier than he was in the SEC championship game. He's healthy as he's been probably since you know the first couple of weeks of the season, uh, and and that that loomed large. Uh, that played a huge role in in I think his play in the uh, in in the Orange Bowl. And uh, Georgia is is I mean Brock Bowers may be a little dinged up. Kirby says he's been dealing with that all year. So Georgia's a lot healthier. I think Alabama, you would say from a health standpoint, is a net negative. Uh, yes, Bri- uh, yes, Brian. Yes, um, Brian. Uh, Brian Robinson is healthy. Okay, and he, and he looked great. I mean, he looked awesome against Cincinnati. But you know, John Mechie, they are dinged up on the offensive line. Uh, they're still a little dinged up at the cornerback. Uh, Josh Job may not be available. Probably won't be available. Um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, and, and, and Jalen Armour Davis is dealing with a uh, with a hip injury, one that he was also dealing with in the SEC championship game. Uh, but I think on the, on the by and large, uh, when you look at kind of the matchup, I think Alabama's not quite as healthy. So that's one difference. But, Kip, the one I want to look at is – and I can't get over it because you just don't hear Nick Saban do this very often, the yummy rat poison. And I do think there are some people picking Georgia for this game, but it's nowhere near the same narrative and conversation that it was last time. Can – Not will, but can Georgia benefit from a different narrative this time around? Can they get some yummy rat poison? I don't think there
0: should be any lack for motivation and and humble pie that's already been dished out to this team coming off the SC Championship game. I don't think what happened against Michigan has any impact on this team being coming into this game, being overconfident because they've already been dealt a defeat by by the hands of Alabama. They've already went out, uh, they've gone out there and allowed their defense. I mean, allowing over 500 yards and and 42 points. I mean, they allowed uh, what 24 more points than they'd allowed to any other opponent in in a game this season. I think for the defense that should automatically be right there, front and center, that film watched over and over again as many times as they're doing film session. I mean, they have the exact game to put on there and say, we have to perform better than this. This We did not play up to our standard. And offensively, I mean, Georgia's a team that, that does well when everything's kind of going on schedule. So that's still kind of the question mark. I mean, like when things don't go according to plan, uh, you know, how does George's offense react? I think we've seen a Georgia offense that is able to to build solid leads and kind of this lock in and and basically run the clock out knowing that they have, you know, over a two-touchdown lead. In tight games, you know, you have to play a different form of offense. That's still kind of the question mark. And I think if, if you're Georgia, you look back and say, we were having some success running the football, and we need to go back to that and know that regardless of what happens early on, uh, we can run the football, and we and we need to stick to our offensive game plan and and not get off the rails a bit. Because I mean, when they were up ten nothing and running the football, I mean it all seemed well. And then you know Alabama came back; they couldn't stop them defensively, and I think that's when they they started to you know to get away from from what they've been able to do and have success with. So I think for for the offense, it's just that they have to go back and and know that when they're when they're playing according to their own game plan and not looking at the score, then they can accomplish what they want to offensively. They have to kind of have tunnel vision a little bit there and not panic when things start to maybe, you know, go differently, either offensively or def- de- defensively. They they can't let the box door dictate how they're going to run their offensive game plan.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned it humble pie. And uh, listen, you'll never convince me you'll never convince me the more and and I saw it against Michigan I think the Michigan game only solidified my thought process on this: You never convinced me that Georgia didn't go up ten nothing in that game, and and to an extent, I'm not saying they gave up or thought they had it in the bag, but I think they exhaled a little bit. I think they lost some focus, and then you get slapped in the mouth with a blown coverage. You you know you fall behind ten to seven. You kind of gator arm a quick slant, get right back off the field with a three and out. Alabama keeps rolling, and then another thing you talk about that run game. Georgia can't get rattled if they get down that the the same Georgia team that came back and tied it at 17 has to play that same way whenever they're down by 14 because, listen, you can put a lot of of it on Stetson Bennett and and he Georgia had a chance to get Chad chances to get back in that football game and make plays and Stetson didn't make those plays that's on him. But it's also on the defense for when Stetson leaves the field game tied and doesn't go back on until it's they're down by 14. And I think Todd Munkin got a little rattled by that. I think Stetson Bennett got a little rattled by that. I think Georgia's offensive line, it had a ripple effect. And that that that's why that game kind of got away from them the way it did. And uh listen, there's nothing after this. There is no there's no planning for anything else. There's no keeping anything else. There's no it's over. It's over once these next 60 minutes of the college football season are over, uh, are finished. And, and you know, that's that's plays into it. And I think Georgia got humbled. Georgia got embarrassed. Georgia got humiliated. And, uh, you know, we'll see if that matters. Because it really does just come down to execution on the football field. And while that's the simple answer, nobody wants me and Kip to come on here and say, execution, execution, and end the show. Uh, so, you know, we talk about the matchups, we talk about where things can, uh, go differently, how they can go differently. And, uh, I think we've done that. So let's take a break here real quick. On the other side, we're going to answer mailbag questions.
0: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
1: All right, Kip, uh, you go first. Liberian dog, are there any advantages or disadvantages to playing a team twice in a short period of time? I think it usually evens
0: out, but it all depends on which side of, you know of, of the health status you're on. If you got guys that are banged up, you obviously would love to have more time to get those guys healthy. I think uh, with for Georgia, I mean Chris Smith and Jamari Sawyer right there. I mean those guys; those guys are crucial every week you have George Pickens in practice is probably a good week. I mean, just seeing him out there, I think regardless, uh, everyone wants him to get, you know, the majority of the targets now that he's on the field. But when he's on the field, I mean, he's making a difference out there as a blocker. uh, And, you know, he's taking their eyes in the secondary and and get, you know, making it harder for them to to kind of uh, play disciplined football. But then on the other side, I mean, for Alabama, you, you saw Brian Robinson Jr. In, in that semifinal game. Uh, he looked pretty healthy. I know that, you know, playing Cincinnati, uh, you know, everyone talked about that being, you know, a non-Power 5 opponent. But that was a a different offense than what we'd seen from Alabama. I mean, they adjusted that, you know, if you don't have John Mechie out there, what were they going to do? That was the question mark. And they kind of went to a, a familiar form of football for, for Georgia, you know, a uh, a rushing attack that was completely dynamic the, the entire game and seeing that healthy Brian Robinson Jr. I mean, for Alabama, th- that's a different aspect. And for Georgia, that's something else now that you have to go back and, and prepare for. Is this the Alabama we're going to see? Maybe that plays into Georgia's defensive hands. If, if that's what Georgia's or Alabama's game plan is, you know, maybe that's an Alabama offense that Georgia's kind of built to stop. But at the same time, it, it does seem like both teams, you know, got some guys back that they needed. And I, I, I mean, it's overall maybe slightly net positive for Georgia that they're playing so soon because obviously Alabama's got guys in the secondary that are out. But I, I think its it's not really a huge impact because you're not going to be able to get anyone else back that you didn't have before.
1: Yeah, and you've also got a pissed-off Georgia team um, that, you know, got humbled. And that's why it's tough to win rematches. Uh, and uh, Georgia's been in this situation before. Alabama's been in, in a similar situation as well. They've actually been there in the national championship game a little longer between rematches, whereas Georgia turned right around and played Auburn a few years ago after getting their, you know, break speed off. Uh, Star Wars mm-hmm. Dog, what do you think UGA will do in the front seven to slow down Bryce? You know, normally, normally I'm a defender of a defensive coach whenever you're pressing guys at the line of scrimmage and you're kind of reacting to the quarterback and his movement in the pocket and you're trying not to give it an easy way to escape. I'm not that way with Bryce Young. I think you got to come get him. Yeah, I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. meaning with necessarily with the blitz. You do have to blitz, and you do have to blitz uh, wisely and creatively. But I think this whole idea of holding up the end and, and not letting him out of the pocket and all that, you got to go because he's... listen. If you play it perfectly, he may get out of the pocket anyway. Just come get him. Um, you know, turn, turn Nolan Smith, turn Robert Beal, turn uh, Trayvon Walker, uh, turn uh, Tremel Weithauer and, and Channing Tindall whenever he comes off the edge, Quay Walker, uh, N- uh, N'Kobe Dean. Turn him loose. Get the edge pressure and scramble to the football because uh, that that's the vulnerability there for Bryce Young. And you saw Georgia do it a lot better in the second half. And I don't know if it was – I couldn't tell you if it was an adjustment Or if it was just guys doing a better job winning the one-on-ones or maybe more discipline, I really don't know, but you saw better Georgia do a better job of it. And they put Bryce young on the run on third down in the second half. And he struggled with that. He struggles when he's got to give some ground. Most quarterbacks do almost all of them. will. so you got to make him give some ground and, uh, and you got to win those one-on-ones. You got to pick your spots and blitzing. I think the more interesting part of this for me is how do you take away the easies for him? Because, If you look back at that first half, one thing that did kind of bite Georgia a few times that that, you know, didn't necessarily you didn't necessarily expect was, you know, I saw Jordan Davis when I went back and watched that game and I saw Devontae Wyatt when I went back and watched that game. I saw him get some quick pressure up the middle, but the ball was out immediately how do you take away that easy throw make him hold on to it a little bit longer and and let the pressure affect him a little bit more if not sack him so those are some things i would definitely look for in this game but but again i go back to nolan smith and trayvon walker those are the two horses those are the two five stars those are the two guys that when you signed them you sign them to get after the quarterback they got to do it they got to they got to beat they got to beat guys one-on-one Trayvon's got to win his matchups against guards. Uh, You know, Evan Neal's a tough matchup for either one of those guys. So, you know, you got to, you got to get your matchup and win it. All right. CBT SPRK 41. I'm sorry. I don't really know how to say it any other way. No, that's a lot of characters there. Skip, do you think UGA staff held anything back for a potential rematch once the game got away from them in the SEC championship game? Man, that's, that's that's really hard to imagine.
0: I, I think you know at, at what point was the game truly out of hand when, when Alabama, you know, no, I, I just don't, I, I don't see it. I mean, Alabama went up uh, what 21 points at one, at one point uh, in the fourth quarter, there's there's 12 minutes left in that game. I think if we're talking about the fourth quarter with 12 minutes left, Georgia going to a different playbook or, or pulling pulling guys away at that point. I and mean, that, that's just football. I don't think they're saving anything at that point. I, I, I think, you know, was the game lost at that point? Probably. But I, I don't think you're holding anything back and thinking about a rematch because you're now you're thinking about, you know, are we can we are we even getting in the college football playoff? You know, so. Uh, at that point, I think they're just thinking about the game in hand, trying to get back and and trying to, to, to win some battles in offense and defense so they can take that with them and hopefully be able to play in the college football playoff. At that point, nothing was locked in and we, we all kind of assumed. But after that game and there was at least that that that, you know, shred of doubt that maybe Georgia doesn't get invited, you know, and obviously they did. And here we are. But. At that point in the game, uh, you can't you can't play with thinking you you have that Mulligan and, and you you're going to get another chance to the the play Alabama again. So you you don't coach like that. Uh, and I, I would be shocked if, if they had that thought that let's let's get away from this playbook and save some plays for the national championship game. I mean, you don't save anything because you're not guaranteed another game. I mean, even in the game against Michigan, you know they're out there. Uh, you, you got guys, you got halfback passes from, from Kenny McIntosh. I mean, they're not saving that play for Alabama. They, they, they utilize it then because they wanted to get to the next game and be able to play again. I just don't think that's a coaching style that Kirby Smart would, would, would want from, from his staff or, or he would ever tell them that mentality. He hasn't coached like that before. Uh, it's just saving, saving plays for another opponent. I mean, you might be able to, to do that. When you're playing a non-conference opponent early in the year and you're getting some young guys in but when you're when you're playing you know comparable opponents you, you don't pull any punches you go out there and, and you try to win the football game in, in, until that last whistle and so that that's exactly what i would expect out of kirby smart will they have some new looks for alabama i mean they've had time to practice they've had plenty of practice sessions they got a couple more i mean i don't think they're going to go out there with the exact same game plan from the sc championship game uh, both teams are going to come out there probably with some new looks, that's, that's what it's all about. And I, I think, you know, talking when Stetson Bennett said the same, you know, we don't expect both teams to come out there and play the exact same football. We have to press and prepare to play our football. And then when you get on the field, you react to what you see. And then usually the coaching staff that's able to, to kind of, you know, make those, those observations and adjustments in the game. I mean, those are the guys that usually have, the higher amount of success. I think these are two of the best coaching staffs in doing that. So uh, to answer your question, I'll say, no, they didn't hold anything back. They just got whooped that day.
1: Yeah. didn't hold anything back. Uh, went for it on, you know, right there in the goal line situation, they're on fourth down. I think, uh, you know, there was a time in that game where I thought it, you know, Kirby might could just be like, all right, listen, let's keep this thing close. Cause we're in the playoff anyway. And I never thought Georgia got into that mode. Uh, so I don't think they held anything. I mean, obviously there's some stuff they probably didn't get to in the game plan. There's some stuff that Alabama hasn't seen. I mean, there's no way to run everything in Georgia's playbook, uh, on one Saturday, no matter when it is or one game day. Uh, so there's definitely some stuff that Georgia's got that Alabama hasn't seen. And the same is true vice versa, both offensively and defensively for both teams. And you'll probably see some of that in this coming game. Hunker down. How does Georgia's D slow down young to Williams? You change up the looks. OK, you you harass him at the line of scrimmage. You act like you're going to harass him at the line of scrimmage and you bail. You bracket him. You roll coverage his way. You do you do some things to take away the inside. You rob underneath um, all of those things, I think, are stuff that Georgia needs to pay attention to. And, and Georgia will do to to try and shut down uh, James Williams. And I think Georgia's going to expend some resources to make it happen, because I believe when I look at this game and I was telling somebody this this morning. I think Georgia's going to work really hard to keep Jamison Williams from beating them, and if that means spending some extra resources and extra attention, they'll do it. Now, if they can do that, and then have whoever's on the other side, whether it's Darian Kendrick or Keely Ringo and their linebackers and their safeties win their one-on-one matchups and keep Ja'Cory Brooks in check and keep JoJo Earl in check and Cameron Latu and 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 uh, Jalil Billingsley, then Georgia's got an excellent chance to stop Alabama and win this football game but i do think at the at the very least they're going to spend some extra resources on slowing down Jamison Williams and alabama's going to have some stuff that that is going to be designed just to get him open you saw it even against Cincinnati they run those stack formations where they basically pick off a defender and throw the quick sling, slant to Jamison Williams it doesn't really result in a big play but it's a way to get a fast guy the football and, and then you've got to tackle him you know will Georgia drop a guy underneath that when they see that formation and try to rob that route I really don't know but you throw a lot of different looks at them but you throw looks at them that you can execute. And I think Georgia threw a lot of different looks at Alabama last time, but they also had John Metchie to deal with, and Georgia didn't execute them at a high level. So you go out there and you do what you do best and what you execute best and maybe spend a couple extra resources at, at, at kind of making sure you've got tabs on Jamison Williams and you definitely don't bust the coverage against him. Make him earn everything he gets. Um, Kip, let's both answer this one. dog 22 if blank happens, Georgia wins the game. What you got?
0: I love this one. I think we have kind of talked about it. it I think getting to Bryce Young's a key. So I'll say this: if Georgia sacks Bryce Young four times, they win the game. I, I think three, you know, it, it, you got a fifty-fifty chance, but they get they get home four times against him, they'll win the game. They didn't. I mean, they weren't able to get to him once, you know, in the in the SC championship game. You look at that Cincinnati game; they were able to get to him a couple times. It affected them. Uh, they got a turnover out of it. Georgia against Michigan, you look at how that game unfolded. I mean, they were able to get home. Uh, did they have, what, f- uh, four sacks in that game? Texas A&M, uh, they, ha- they, they sacked Bryce Young four times in that game. I just think that's that's the number. If they sack Bryce Young four times, then, then they're able to force you know him to, to turn over the ball. Uh, they get home enough. I think that that means they're having success with their, their game plan as far as pressuring him and they're able to get a turnover out of it as well with another hurry. And again, that'll be crucial in a game like this. So I think that four sack mark for me is the key stat I'm looking for. If they, if they get home four times and, They're going to win the football game.
1: Uh, I, you know, I agree with that, but I'm going to say turnover battle. If Georgia wins the turnover battle, Georgia wins this game. They've lost it the last two times. Uh, That's the, you know, in terms of the four games that Georgia's played against Alabama under Kirby Smart, I want to say they've won the turnover battle maybe once. And I think that was the 18 SEC championship game. Cause I, I can't recall Georgia turning it over in that game. They turned it over on downs with a fake punt. But I can't remember them turning it over in that game, and I know they turned, uh, I know they turned uh, Tua to Tonga Viola a, a, over a couple times in that game. But otherwise, they haven't really won the turnover battle, um, and uh, I think that's big for this Georgia team, especially the way it's built, the way it's put together, and the fact that, that these two teams are as evenly matched as they've been. Um, when Kirby and, and Nick Saban have coached teams against each other, I think that's a big one. Let's get, uh, let's jump into these comments here real quick and get, get knocked one out there. Um, all right. Brett, uh, Brett Gaffney, uh, with Pickens being back and Burton being healthy, do we take more shots downfield against young Alabama DBs? They seem to have PI problems. Seems like a win win. Either we get a cat, catch or a flag. I like that. I like that philosophy. I think you've got to do what you can to, to, to isolate a guy one-on-one and you take your shot. And I thought, you know, before Stetson, I believe it was before Stetson threw the first pick to Brock Bowers in uh, uh, trying to go to Brock Bowers in the SEC championship game, I thought they should have taken a fade route shot to George Pickens. They didn't because um, I thought he had some one-on-one coverage there. I think Georgia does need to take those one-on-one shots. since Jermaine Burton showed you. I mean, listen, that wasn't a, that wasn't the way that was drawn up. Uh, the way Jermaine Burton caught that 57-yard touchdown pass against uh, Michigan. Uh, Stetson did a good job with pressure in his face of identifying a one-on-one. He heaved it up, letting Burton make a play on the ball. And when you say make a play on the ball, the first thing you think about is, hey, my receiver is going to out-jump their receiver. That doesn't have to be that way. Jermaine Burton showed you why. He deeped the guy into kind of stopping and slowing down, and then he went and got it, and, and that turned into a big play. And I think Georgia's defensive backs can have some of that kind of success against Alabama's defensive. Uh, Georgia's receivers can have that kind of success against Alabama's defensive backs. And I, I wouldn't just limit it at George Pickens and and uh, and and uh, Jermaine Burton. I would say A.D. Mitchell. I would say uh, Marcus Rosemey-Jack Saint, maybe even Ladd McConkie. Uh, You know, I think Georgia can have that kind of success, just getting the ball downfield and pushing it um, there. And let's jump into one more question, Kip, and we'll give you the honors here. And uh, we'll see which one Jordan picks for us. We got Jordan. Would you try to jam Williams at the line, throw him off? Uh, I'm actually surprised uh, Georgia
0: didn't try more press against him in the SEC championship game. Uh, I mean, but in this instance, I mean, knowing that, they're down. One of their top offensive options. You know, I I, I think you can get away with still not doing it, is as, as long as you don't expect the, the 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 other guys to beat you. I mean, I think that's going to be kind of the key in this game. Is uh, did JaQuori Brooks? You know, can he make big plays against Georgia's secondary? Slade Bolden. I mean, even Cameron Latu. I mean, these are guys that they're going to have to utilize more because Georgia's going to focus on Jamison Williams now. I I think if if you bracket him you know I, I think you got a better chance so with a, you know if you're using chris smith back there to, to help out i i don't think you necessarily have to 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 really jam him at the line of scrimmage and you definitely don't want to make the mistake of him getting a free release and and getting down the field i mean that that undoes everything you're trying to do defensively when a guy like that breaks free i mean he's that one guy you know uh, what he brings to the table and, and how he can beat your secondary. We've already seen him do it before. I think at this point, you, you just make sure you have a couple guys on them and they don't break coverage. I mean, busted coverage was, that was the whole storyline of the SC championship game. If everyone's doing their job out there, they, they had a pretty good uh, game plan in the secondary. It was, I mean, you can't have guys falling down. You can't have guys uh, missing their assignments. So I don't think you have to, but you can mix it in a little bit more because you 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 should be confident in knowing that the other guys Alabama has on the field, the, you know, the younger guys, they're talented guys, but uh, they're not John Mechie. And so again, you, you, fo- you focus on Brian Robinson and Jamison Williams, and you make the other
1: guys beat you. Absolutely. I want to point this out real quick. Uh, Georgia is uh, scheduled tomorrow to have a press conference with Todd Munkin, with Dan Lanning, with James Cook, Kiaris Jackson, Quay Walker, and Nolan Smith. So uh, that's a lot of folks. That's a lot of transcribing. Uh, luckily, the college football playoff does that for us, which is awesome. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of talking, a lot of quotes, a lot going to be going on tomorrow. Make sure you tune in to Dogs 24-7 to see what those guys have to say. And uh, we'll have it covered for you. Uh, I know, Kip, what day are you going to Indianapolis? Saturday. You're going Saturday. I will be in town on Friday. Um, I believe as of right now, team arrivals are in person. Um, so I'm gonna be there for that. If not, I love a good hotel stakeout. Uh, I was involved with a couple of those down in Miami. I don't know how I'm gonna feel about them in Indianapolis with it being in the teens. It's a lot more comfortable when I was chasing iguanas all over the park and, uh, and, and nice. you know doing all that stuff. It was a lot more fun when there was uh, you know yachts to watch fly by or, or uh, swim by, I guess or float by in the, in the bay. But uh, they're gonna be a little different there in Indianapolis, but uh, hopefully we can get some red hot shrimp cocktail, good steak maybe two maybe three who knows and uh we'll enjoy indianapolis lucas oil stadium uh listen folks a lot to be excited about january 10th Georgia's in this game george's got a chance to do something that it set out to do in the preseason and uh, we'll have it all covered for you over at dogs 24 7 but for this episode of the junkyard Dogcast, he's kip adams from dogs 24 7 i'm from the same place y'all take it easy